Chapter 14. One Bright Day. That blizzard lasted two days. Tuesday morning, Laura woke up suddenly. She lay with her eyes wide open, listening to hear again what had awakened her. There was no sound at all. Then she knew. The stillness had startled her awake. There was no noise of winds. No swish, swish of ice snow scouring the walls and roof and window. The sun was glowing bright through the frost on the window at the top of the stairs. And downstairs, Ma's smile was like sunshine. The blizzard's over, she said. It was only a two days blizzard. You never can tell what a blizzard will do, Pa agreed. It may be that your hard winter won't prove to be so hard after all, Ma said happily. Now the sun is shining. They should have the trains running again in no time. And Laura, I'm sure there will be school today. Better get yourself ready for it while I get breakfast. Laura went upstairs to tell Carrie and to put on her school dress. In the warm kitchen, again, she scrubbed her face and neck well with soap and pinned up her braids. Pa breezed in gaily from doing the chores. Old soul is bright and shining this morning, he told them. Looks like his face was well washed in snow. Hashed brown potatoes were on the table, and Ma's wild ground cherry preserves shone golden in a glass bowl. Ma stacked a platter with toast browned in the oven, and then took from the oven a small dish of butter. I had to warm the butter, she said. It was frozen as hard as a rock. I could not cut it. I hope Mr. Boast brings us some more soon. This is what the cobbler threw at his wife. Grace and Carrie were puzzled, while all the others laughed. It showed how happy Mom was that she would make jokes. That was his owl, Mary said. And Laura exclaimed, oh no, it was the last. That was all he had. Girls, girls, Ma said gently, because they were laughing too much at the table. Then Laura said, but I thought we were out of butter when we didn't have any yesterday. Pancakes were good with salt pork, said Ma. I saved the butter for toast. There was just enough butter for a scraping on every slice. Breakfast was so merry in the warmth and stillness and light that the clock was striking half past eight before they finished. And Ma said, run along, girls. This one time I'll do your housework. The whole outdoors was dazzling, sparkling brightly in bright sunshine. All the length of Main Street was a high drift of snow. Mama. A ridge taller than Laura. She and Carrie had to climb to its top and get carefully down its other side. The snow was packed so hard that their shoes made no marks in it and their heels could dig no dents to keep them from slipping. In the schoolyard was another glittering drift, almost as high as the schoolhouse. Cap Garland and Ben Arthur and the little Wilmerth boys were skating down it on their shoes, as Laura had used to slide on Silver Lake. And Mary Power and Minnie were standing out in the cold sunshine by the door, watching the fun the boys were having. Hello, Laura, Mary Power said gladly. And she tucked her mittened hand under Laura's arm and squeezed it. They were pleased to see each other again. 
It seemed a long time since Friday, and even since the Saturday afternoon that they had meant to spend together. But there was no time to talk, for the teacher came to the door, and girls and boys must go into their lessons. At recess, Mary Power and Laura and Minnie stood at the window and watched the boys sliding down the snowdrift. Laura wished that she could go outdoors and play too. I wish we weren't too big now, she said. I don't think it's any fun being a young lady. Well, we can't help growing up, Mary Power said. What would you do if you were caught in a blizzard, Mary? Minnie Johnson was asking. I guess I would just keep on walking. You wouldn't freeze if you kept on walking, Mary answered. But you'd tire yourself out. You'd get so tired you'd die, said Minnie. Well, what would you do, Mary Power asked her. I'd dig into a snowbank and let the snow cover me up. I don't think you'd freeze to death in a snowbank. Would you, Laura? I don't know, Laura said. Well, what would you do, Laura, if you got caught in a blizzard? I wouldn't get caught, Laura answered. She did not like to think about it. She would rather talk with Mary Power about other things. But Miss Garland rang the bell, and the boys came trooping in, red with the cold and grinning. That whole day, everyone was as cheerful as the sunshine. At noon, Laura and Mary Power and Carrie and the Beardsley girls raced into the shouting crowd over the big snowdrifts home to dinner. On top of the high drift that was Main Street, some went north and some went south, and Laura and Carrie slid down its east side to their own front door. Pa was already in his place at the table. Mary was lifting Grace onto the pile of books in her chair, and Ma was setting a dish of steaming baked potatoes before Pa. I do wish we had some butter for them, she said. Salt brings out the flavor, Pa was saying, when a loud knocking sounded on the kitchen door. Carrie ran to open it, and big and furry as a bear in his buffalo coat, Mr. Boast came in. Come in, Boast. Come in, come in, Pa kept saying. They were so glad to see him. Come in and put your feet under the table. You're just in time. Where is Mrs. Boast? Mary inquired. Yes, indeed. Didn't she come with you? Ma said eagerly. Mr. Boast was getting out of his straps. Well, no. You see, Ellie thought that she must do the washing while the sun shone. I told her we'll have more good days. But she said... Then she'd come to town on one of them. She sent you some butter. It's from our last churning. My cows are going dry. The weather we've been having, I couldn't take care of them. Mr. Boast sat on the table, and they all began on the good baked potatoes with butter after all. Glad to know you came through the storm all right, Pa said. Yes, we were lucky. I was watering stock at the well when the cloud came up. I hurried them in, had them all snug in the stable, and got halfway to the house before the storm struck, Mr. Boast told them. The baked potatoes and hot biscuits with butter were delicious, and to finish the dinner, there were more biscuits with some of Ma's rich tomato preserves. There's no more salt pork in town, Pa said. Getting all our surprise from, supplies from the east this way, we run a little short when the trains don't get through. What do you hear about the train? Mr. Boast asked him. 
They've put extra gangs to work on the Tracy Cut, Woodworth says. Pa replied. And they're bringing out snow plows. We can look for a train before the end of the week. Ellie's counting on my getting some tea, sugar, and flour, Mr. Post said. The storekeeper is raising the prices, any? Not that I know of, poverty is short. Nothing's running short but meat. Dinner was eaten, and Mr. Bost said that he must be getting along to reach home before night. He promised to bring Mrs. Bost to see them all before... He promised to bring Mrs. Bost in to see them all one day soon. Then he and Pa went up Main Street to Hawthorne's Grocery, and Laura and Carrie, hand in hand, went joyously climbing up the drifts and sliding down them back to school. All that happy afternoon they were full of the clear, cold air and as bright as the sunshine. They knew their lessons perfectly. They enjoyed reciting them. Every face in school was smiling, and cap garlands flashing green included them all. It was good to see the town alive again, and to know that again all the weekdays would be school days. But in the night, Laura dreamed that Pa was playing the wild storm tune on his fiddle. And when she screamed to him to stop, the tune was a blinding blizzard swirling around her, and it had frozen her to solid ice. Then she was staring at the dark, but for a long time that nightmare held her stiff and cold. It was not Pa's fiddle, she heard, but the storm wind itself and the swish, swish of icy snow on the walls and the roof. At last, she was able to move. So cold that the dream still seemed half real, she snuggled close to Mary and pulled the quilts over their heads. What is it? Mary murmured in her sleep. A blizzard, Laura answered. Chapter 15. No Trains. It was not worthwhile to get up in the morning. The daylight was dim. The windows were white, and so were the nails in the roof. Another blizzard was roaring, screaming, and swishing around the house. There would be no school. Laura lay sluggish and half awake. She would rather sleep than wake up to such a day. But Ma called, Good morning, girls. Time to get up. Quickly, because of the cold, Laura put on her dress and her shoes and went downstairs. Why, what is the matter, Laura? Ma asked, looking up from the stove. Laura almost wailed. Oh, Ma, how can I ever teach school and help send Mary to college? How could I ever amount to anything when I can only get one day of school at a time? Now, Laura... Ma said kindly. You must not be so easily discouraged. A few blizzards, more or less, can make no great difference. We will hurry and get the work done, and you can study. There's enough figuring in your arithmetic to keep you busy for a good many days, and you can do as much of it as you want to. Nothing keeps you from learning. Laura asked, Why is the table here in the kitchen? The table left hardly room to move about. Pa didn't build the fire in the heater this morning, Ma answered. They heard Pa stamping in the lean-to, and Laura opened the door for him. He looked sober. A little milk in the pail was frozen solid. This is the worst yet, I do believe, Pa said. 
while he held his stiff hands over the stove. I didn't start a fire in the heater, Caroline. Our coal is running low. This storm will likely block the trains for some time. I thought as much when I saw you hadn't built the fire, I answered. So I moved the table in here. We'll keep the middle door shut, and the cook stove warms this room nicely. I'll go over to Fuller's right after breakfast, said Pa. He ate quickly, and while he was putting on his wraps again, Ma went upstairs. She brought down her little red Morocco pocketbook with the shining, smooth mother-of-pearl sides and the steel clasps in which she kept Mary's college money. Pa slowly put out his hand and took it. Then he cleared his throat and said, Mary, maybe the town is running short of supplies. If the lumberyard and the stores are putting up prices too high. He did not go on, and Mary said, Ma has my college money put away. You can spend that. If I do have to, Mary, you can depend on me paying you back, Pa promised. After he had gone, Laura brought Mary's rocking chair from the cold front room and set it to warm before the, the open oven. As soon as Mary sat in it, Grace climbed into her lap. I'll be warm too, Grace said. You're a big girl now and too heavy, Ma objected. But Mary said quickly, oh no, Grace, I like to hold you. Even if you are a big three-year-old girl. The room was so crowded that Laura could hardly wash the dishes without bumping into some sharp edge. While Ma was making the beds in the upstairs cold, Laura polished the stove and cleaned the lamp chimney. Then she unscrewed the brass chimney holder and filled the lamp carefully with kerosene. The last clear drop poured out from the spout of the kerosene can. Oh, we didn't tell Pa to get kerosene, Laura exclaimed before she thought. Don't we have kerosene? Carrie gasped, turning around quickly from the cupboard where she was putting away the dishes. Her eyes were frightened. My goodness, yes. I've filled the lamp brim full, Lara answered. Now I'll sweep the floor and you dust. All the work was done when Ma came downstairs. The wind is fairly rocking the house up there, she told them, shivering by the stove. How nicely you've done everything, Lara and Carrie, she smiled. Pa had not come back, but surely he could not be lost in town. Lara brought her books and slate to the table close to Mary in her rocking chair. The light was poor, but Ma did not light a lamp. Laura read the arithmetic problems one by one to Mary and did them on the slate while Mary solved them in her head. They worked each problem backwards to make sure that they had the correct answer. Slowly they worked lesson after lesson, as Ma had said. There were many more to come. At last, they heard Pa coming through the front room. His overcoat and cap were frozen white with snow, and he carried a snowy package. He thawed by the stove when he could speak. And when he could speak, he said, I didn't use your college money, Mary. There's no coal at the lumberyard, he went on. People have burned so much in this cold weather. Delhi didn't have much on hand. He's selling lumber to burn now. Well, we can't afford to burn lumber at $50 a thousand. People are foolish to pay it, Ma said gently. The trains are bound to get through before long. 
There's no more kerosene in town, Pa said, and no meat. The stores are sold out of pretty nearly everything. I got two pounds of tea, Caroline, before they ran out of that. So we'll have our bit of tea till the trains come through. There's nothing like a good cup of tea in cold weather, said Ma. And the lamp is full. That's enough kerosene to last quite a while if we go to bed early to save coal. I'm so glad you thought to get the tea. We would miss that. Slowly, Pa grew warm without saying anything more. He sat down by the window to read the Chicago Interocean that had come in the last mail. By the way, he said, looking up, school is closed until coal comes. We can study by ourselves, Laura said stoutly. She and Mary murmured to each other over the arithmetic problems. Carrie studied the speller while Ma worked at her mending and Pa silently read the paper. The blizzard grew worse. It was by far the most violent blizzard that they had ever heard. The room grew colder. There was no heat from the front room to help the cook stove. The cold had crept into the front room and was sneaking in under the door. Beneath the lean-to door, it was crawling in too. Ma brought the braided rugs from the front room and laid them folded tightly against the bottoms of the doors. At noon, Pa went to the stable. The stock did not need feeding at noon, but he went to see that the horses and the cow and the big calf were still safely sheltered. He went out again in mid-afternoon. Animals need a lot of feed to keep them and to keep them warm in such cold, he explained to Ma. The blizzard is worse than it was, and I had a hard tussle this morning to get hay into the stable in these winds. I couldn't do it if the haystack wasn't right at the door. Another good thing, the snowdrifts are gone. They've been scoured away, down to the bare ground. The storm howled even louder when he went out into it, and a blast of cold came through the lean through came through the lean-to, though Ma had pushed the folded rug against the inner door as soon as Pa shut it. Mary was braiding a new rug. She had cut worn-out woolen cloths into strips, and Ma had put each color in a separate box. Mary kept the boxes in order and remembered where each color was. She was braiding the rag strips together in a long braid that coiled down in a pile beside her chair. When she came to the end of a strip, she chose the color she wanted and sewed it on. Now and then, she felt the growing pile. I do believe I have nearly enough done, she said. I'll be ready for you to sew the rug tomorrow, Laura. I wanted to finish this lace first, Laura objected. And these storms keep making it so dark I can hardly see to count the stitches. The dark doesn't bother me, Mary answered cheerfully. I can see with my fingers. Laura was ashamed of being impatient. I'll show your rug whenever you're ready, she said willingly. Pa was gone a long time. Ma set the supper back to keep warm. She did not light the lamp, and they all sat thinking that the clothesline would guide Pa through the blinding blizzard. Come, come, girls, Ma said, rousing herself. Mary, you start a song. We'll sing away the time until Pa comes. So they sang together in the dark until Pa came. 
There was lamplight at supper, but Ma told Lara to leave the dishes unwashed. They must all go to bed quickly to save kerosene and coal. Only Pa and Ma got up next morning at chore time. You girls stay in bed and keep warm as long as you like, Ma said. And Lara did not get up until nine o'clock. The cold was pressing on the house and seeping in, rising higher and higher. And the ceaseless noise and the dusk seemed to hold time still. Lara and Mary and Carrie studied their lessons. Lara sewed the rag braid into round, a round rug and laid it heavy over Mary's lap so that Mary could see it with her fingers. The rug made this day different from the day before, but Lara felt it was the same day over again when they sang again in the dark until Pa came and ate the same supper of potatoes and bread with dried applesauce and tea and left the dishes unwashed and went to bed at once to save kerosene and coal. Another day was the same. The blizzard winds did not stop roaring and shrieking. The swishing snow did not stop swishing. The noise and the dark and the cold would never end. Suddenly, they ended. The blizzard winds, <clears throat> the blizzard winds stopped. It was late in the third afternoon. Lara blew and scraped at the frost on the window pane until the peephole through the peephole, she could see snow scudding down Main Street low to the ground before a straight wind. A reddish light shone on the blowing snow from the setting sun. The sky was clear and cold. Then the rosy light faded. The snow was blowing gray-white, and the steady wind blew harder. Pa came in from doing the chores. Tomorrow I must haul some hay, he said, but now I'm going across to Fuller's to find out if anybody but us is alive in this blame town. Here for three whole days, we haven't been able to see a light, nor smoke, nor any sign of living soul. What's the good of a town if a fellow can't get any good of it? Supper's almost ready, Charles, Ma said. Be back in a jiffy, Pa told her. He came back a few minutes, asking, Supper ready? Ma was dishing it up and Lara setting the chairs to the table. Everything's all right in town, Pa said, and word from the depot is that they'll start work tomorrow morning on that big cut beside of Tracy. How long will it take to get a train through, Ma asked. Can't tell, Pa replied. That one clear day we had, they cleaned it out, ready to come through next day, but they shoveled the snow up both sides of the cut, and now it's packed full, clear to the top of the banks. Something like 30 feet deep of snow, frozen solid. They've got to dig it out now. That won't take very long in pleasant weather, Pa said. Surely we're bound to have that. We've already had more and worse storms than we've had all last winter. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter.